Hello and welcome to the Agiostos. My name is Bill Dijkstra. Today is July 11th, and our feast is for St. Olga of Kiev, equal to the Apostles. So full disclosure, I really like Olga. I Well, not that that would be a controversial opinion, but I like her because she has a dramatic backstory. Like, before her conversion, she was crazy. And I don't know about you, but say you ever had a crazy ex-girlfriend, well, she has a patron, and it's St. Olga. Um, Not to sound impious saying that, but you know what? If you're ever dealing with someone who is just unreasonable, pray to St. Olga, and um, you'll find out why based on this episode. As I mentioned yesterday in our episode on St. Anthony of the Caves, the source material that you will, we will be using over the next few weeks are from the Primary Chronicle and the Paternic of the Kievan Caves Fathers. These are written by Nestor the Chronicler in the 12th century. Now, in these works, Nestor highlights the history, hagiography, and mythology of the early Rusin people. Nestor traces, for example, the origin of the Slaps back to Japheth, one of the three sons of Noah. This is also where we source the material of St. Andrew as being the first to bring Christianity to the Rus. Now, this may seem a little bit off topic today, but I wanted to recount the story of St. Andrew also uh, over the next couple weeks when we focus more on the Kievan saints. I want to give kind of the entire picture. So, it's actually kind of a funny story, I think. So here we go. When Andrew was teaching in Sinope and came to Kherson, as has been recounted elsewhere, he observed that the mouth of the Niper was nearby. Conceiving a desire to go to Rome, he thus journeyed to the mouth of the Niper. Thence he ascended the river, and by chance he halted beneath the hills upon the shore. Upon arising in the morning, he observed the disciples who were with him, See ye these hills? So shall the favor of God shine upon them, that on this spot a great city shall arise, and God shall erect many churches therein. He drew near the hills, and having blessed them, he set up a cross. After offering his prayer to God, he descended from the hill on which Kiev was subsequently built, and continued his journey up the Dnieper. He then reached the Slavs at the point where Novgorod is now situated. He saw these people existing according to their customs, and on observing how they bathed and scrubbed themselves, he wondered at them. He went thence among the Varangians and came to Rome, where he recounted what he had learned and observed. Wondrous to relate, he said. I saw the land of the Slavs, and while I was among them, I noticed their wooden bathhouses. They warm them to extreme heat, then undress, and after anointing themselves with an acid liquid, they take young branches and lash their bodies. They actually lash themselves so violently that they barely escape alive. Then they drench themselves with cold water and thus are revived. They think nothing of doing this every day, and though tormented by none, they actually inflict such voluntary torture upon themselves. Indeed, they make of the act not a mere washing, but a veritable torment. 
When his hearers learned this fact, they marveled. But Andrew, after his stay in Rome, returned to Sinope. So I mentioned earlier that I find this whole thing very funny. Uh, You see St. Andrew in in iconography in most Ukrainian Catholic churches, yet not the typical person probably has not heard the story, that he basically found these people and thought that they were so strange. And yet, in, in reaction to this, we all venerate him all the more. And I, I think that's awesome. I think that's so funny. Um, anyways, let's get back to Olga. Olga was born in Peskov, a Viking settlement. She comes into the story with her marriage to the Kievian prince Igor, son of the grand prince Oleg, Oleg, who is the son of Rurik. Rurik was the beginning of the Rurik dynasty, a line which lasted up until the 17th century. These events are taking place in the 10th century, so these are very important folks necessary for understanding the narrative of Kievian culture and religion. There was a point in Olga's life, a time before her conversion, where she was, well, terrifying. You see, her husband Igor was aggressively collecting tribute from a Slavic tribe called the Derelvians. Under the violent pressure of Igor, they confided that they would kill him. Now, who could maybe blame them for enduring raid after raid? However, they also concocted a plan to travel to Kiev, to take Olga to be the wife of their own king, Mal. An envoy came by boat, and upon arriving, announced their intentions. They had slain Prince Igor, and now have come for Olga to be Prince Mal's wife. Her reply was, Your proposal is pleasing to me. Indeed, my husband cannot rise again from the dead, but I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. Return now on your boat, and remain there with an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you on the morrow, and ye shall say, We will not ride on horses, nor go on foot. Carry us in our boat, and you shall be carried off in your boat. So essentially, Olga's response is, Yeah, that sounds good. I need a living husband. Stay on the boat, and tomorrow we'll parade you around with pomp. So the next day, when the Derelvians were summoned by her servants, the Derelvians replied, We will not ride on horses, nor go on foot. Here is how the servants responded, Slavery is our lot. Our prince is killed, and our princess intends to marry their prince. So they carried the Derelvians in by boat. They sat on the cross benches in great robes, puffed up with pride. Thus they were borne into the court before Olga, and when the men had brought the Derelvians in, they dropped them into the trench along with the boat. Olga bent over and inquired whether they found the honor to their taste. They answered that it was worse than the death of Igor. She then commanded that they should be buried alive, and they were thus buried. And you know what? It doesn't end there. Olga then rallied her armies and went to sack their capital, Deriva. Now, I won't go through all the tormenting details, but the episode ends with Olga cleverly burning Deriva to the ground. You know that cheesy line from Oscar Wilde, Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future? In honor of St. Olga, I put that on a painting of her burning Deriva to the ground. 
I think it kind of takes the cheese out of it and makes it a little more sobering. Some of our saints did terrible things before their conversions. I think back to the episode of Constantine and the manner in which he killed his son and his wife. Anyways, Olga was ferocious, but also crafty. Even in the account of her baptism, this is what we see. Olga went to Greece and arrived at Sargrad. The reigning emperor was named Constantine, son of Leo. Olga came before him, and when he saw that she was very fair of countenance and wise as well, the emperor wondered at her intellect. He conversed with her and remarked that she was worthy to reign with him in his city. When Olga had heard his words, she replied that she was still a pagan, and that if he desired to baptize her, he should perform this function himself, otherwise she was unwilling to accept baptism. The emperor, with the assistance of the patriarch, accordingly baptized her. When Olga was enlightened, she rejoiced in soul and body. The patriarch, who instructed her in the faith, said to her, Blessed art thou among women of Rus, for thou hast loved the light, and quit the darkness. The sons of Rus shall bless thee to the last generation of thy descendants. He taught her the doctrines of the church and instructed her in prayer, in fasting, in almsgiving, and in the maintenance of chastity. She bowed her head, and like a sponge absorbing water, she eagerly drank in his teachings. The princess bowed before the patriarch, saying, Through thy prayers, Holy Father, may I be preserved from the crafts and assaults of the devil. After her baptism, she was christened Helena, after the ancient empress, mother of Constantine the Great. The patriarch then blessed her and dismissed her. After her baptism, the emperor summoned Olga and made known to her that he wished her to become his wife. But she replied, How could you marry me after yourself baptizing me and calling me your daughter? For among Christians, that is unlawful, as you yourself must know. Then the emperor said, Olga, you have outwitted me. He gave her many gifts of gold, silver, silks, and various vases, and dismissed her, still calling her his daughter. It is here where the chronicler starts referring to Olga quite differently. When she was a pagan, she was crafty, but now as a Christian, her qualities now have a sanctifying merit. She is now referred to as wise, as the chronicler says. Thus it was when the queen of Ethiopia came to Solomon, wishing to hear his words of wisdom, and beheld much wisdom of many wonders. Even so, the sainted Olga sought the blessed wisdom of God, but the queen sought human wisdom, while Olga sought divine wisdom. For those who seek for wisdom shall find it. Wisdom is celebrated in places of concourse. She lifteth up her voice in the streets. She crieth at the entrance of the walls. At the gates of the cities she uttereth speech. For as many years as the just cleave to wisdom, they shall not be ashamed. Proverbs 1, 20-22 From her youth the sainted Olga always sought wisdom in this world, and she found a pearl of great price, which is Christ. Let's pray today's tropar. Rising your mind, On the wings of theology, you soared far above visible creation, seeking the God and creator of all things and being rewarded by finding him. You were born again to Christ in baptism. Receiving delight from the tree of life, you remain incorrupt for all ages.
O glorious Olga. Thank you very much for listening. This has been your Daily Dose of Agios. St. Olga, equal to the apostles, pray for us.